Hey guys, welcome to season two, episode two of the NAMI Montana podcast. I am Hannah Clemenson, our summer intern, and I'm sitting here with our executive director, Matt Kuntz. Hello there. Hi, everyone. Hi. And uh, we're going over the map of NAMI Montana's mission. I talked about it a little bit in episode one, but basically it's a map detailing everything that NAMI Montana does. Um, just to keep us on track, look up at it in our office, see all the things that we do. Um, we're a lot more than just support groups and educating. And I think that's really important for us to talk about. So in season two, we're kind of going through that map and talking about all the os- all the aspects of NAMI Montana, um, just to let you guys know a little insight into what we've been up to. Today, we're going to be talking about vocations, work, basically anything involving what NAMI Montana has done to have Montanans with mental illness have a better chance of getting meaningful long-term employment. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, could you detail a little bit about um, why employment is so important and why it's why it can be difficult for people to find sometimes? Yeah, it's incredibly important for anybody's mental health. Me- meaningful employment does so many different things for you from a security standpoint to confidence, engagement, even on like a neurological level, it it has you doing productive thought processes for hours at end that are just wonderful for a person and for their mental health. So it, it is essential that everybody has access for employment. There's been a ton of different studies out there about how positive employment is to someone's mental health. But there's also the challenge of, you know, exacerbated symptoms of mental health conditions can make it hard for a person to keep employment. And also, you know, may even lead to disability and disability benefits for a person to help them kind of compensate for their inability to consistently work. So it creates this weird situation where people with mental health conditions really need to do employment to be able to do the things that they want to do with their lives. But on the other hand, there may be a need for a protective net to ensure that if they do lose employment because of the symptoms of their mental health conditions, that they're not losing a lot of the other safety parts of their life like their home and everything else totally totally um okay can you talk a little bit about how a lot of disabled people struggle to find a job um, and keep it while still maintaining their benefits because you have to keep those earnings yeah that's such a huge problem and it's hard for people to really understand how hard that is because we set up the disability benefit system as a way for you know helping ensure that people who really needed it get those disability benefits it kind of came later with with the americans with disability act and everything that helped bring disabled people into the workforce and you know there's so many benefits of work and so many really important things about getting disabled people into the workforce. But we have a 
benefit system that, you know, just doesn't realize the reality that just because you're employed doesn't mean that you lose the need for the benefits. Like you, you, you really may be at a lot higher risk of losing that employment because of your disability. I mean, there's many things that make employment not guaranteed if you're struggling with any disability. Uh, but the, the episodic ones like mental health conditions and substance use conditions are also just really, really tricky because a person can be you know, doing very well with employment for a while and then their condition kicks up. And how do you manage the benefit situation in that point? And NAMI Montana, as I think disability advocates across the country, try to push for as much flexibility as possible. Mm -hmm. In terms of what people can make and what they can keep um, next, I'd really like to talk about the relationship between veterans and uh, supplemental security income and how you guys are helping with that. Yeah, so we have, we have definitely kind of been part of the overall group that's worked on the issue with all disabilities, but in terms of, of veterans' di disability and how they're tied to mental health conditions, um, we we were involved with the cover commission and that was a uh, broad national condition that looked at these issues. And one of the recommendations that we made in there is that the disability be benefits be tweaked to make them be more flexible with, for veterans with mental health and substance abuse conditions because it's just so essential to recovery in those conditions that the current system is set to kind of pull the rug out from under somebody right as they're starting to get on their feet and was pointed out by the veterans vocational rehabilitation team as a major issue that needed to be addressed. Do you mean by that saying that as soon as like a veteran would get um, a job or like some gainful employment a lot of their benefits would end? They could end. And I think that the lack of clarity on it was part of the problem. So you get people not going for employment because they were worried about their benefits. Uh. And, you know, there may be ways around them and the VA's, you know, some parts of the VA benefit system thinks it's all set up perfect now but the VA vocational rehabilitation system is seeing veterans that are afraid to go after work because of what it might do to their benefits. So trying to get some clarity and ensuring that the system is set up in a way that makes sense. And also, you know, doesn't just make sense from an issue of making sure that people who shouldn't get benefits aren't, but makes sense in a way that we realize that veterans suicide prevention is the number one clinical priority in the VA and employment is one of the best ways to protect veterans from getting in a situation where they end up suicidal. So that's the kind of balance that we're working to strike. And 
I think realistically it's going to be a long process, but we started it with a cover commission to look into that for veterans. And now we're exploring some policy options with Senator John Tester's staff. Super exciting. Thank you. Um, next, I really want to talk about uh, your peer support projects. We were part of a kind of multi-year group initiative to bring peer support to Montana in a way that it was billable and truly became part of the treatment system for Montana. And, you know, it, it's, it's a big national effort and there were a lot of different folks involved with that at the state level. Jim Haney from the Montana Peer Network, Dr. Nathan Munn from Helena College, the Addictive Mental Disorders Division. So many different folks worked on that. The Montana Mental Health Trust uh, gave, gave a lot of money to support it. And it, it ended up being about a six to eight year effort to make it so peer specialists in Montana have a process to be certified and then a process to be able to bill Montana Medicaid to be critically important providers for care in mental health and substance abuse in Montana. Perfect. Um, and just to peer support is uh, when people with, with mental illness or uh, mental health issues can be uh, trained by by their peers to work in the mental illness field, kind of? Yeah, correct? it's um, basically the realization that someone who lives with a mental health or substance abuse condition can be trained to be an incredible, valuable tool to people with those same conditions that are working on their own recovery so that, that that lived experience that the person has combined with some training can be really valuable. You know, it, you don't always need to talk to a counselor. You don't always need to talk to a psychiatrist. A peer right. support specialist can bring amazing value to a person. They can say that they've been there. That was something that we didn't do we didn't do it from a vocational standpoint. We did it more from a access to care standpoint to, mm -hmm. to be able to bolster Montana's mental health treatment system. But it turned out to be amazing for a lot of people's employment. Uh, the last number that I heard is we were up to a hundred peer support specialists spread across Montana and in clinics across the state. That is super exciting and uh, a really great way for people to find employment, helping others. Yeah, gives people such a sense of purpose and they're able to make a difference in the lives of people that are going through exactly the same kind of issues that they went through. Okay. Um, finally, I really want to um, discuss something. We know that employment can be really difficult to find on Native American reservations across Montana and and uh, as you said before, employment is really important to maintaining good mental health. So we see a lot of mental health issues and mental illness uh, 
being really prevalent on reservations because of the lack of employment and because of the geological barriers. Um, so I really want you to talk about that a little bit and uh, talk about how NAMI is assisting in fixing that issue. Mental health in all communities is really hard. And in reservation co communities, it's especially difficult because you exasperate all of the usual challenges that we have with multi-generational tr trauma and, you know, racism and all of these challenges. And we kind of went after it. We're like, okay, we're, we're not going to solve everything, but certainly one of the things that came out in our work in supporting youth mental health and reservation communities is, you know, what's the long-term aspects for employment? And it felt like that was something tangible that needed to be worked on. So we worked with Representative Jonathan Windyboy, a longtime friend of NAMI Montana's and a uh, winner of our NAMI Hero Award in the past for his suicide prevention work. And we worked with Representative Windyboy to develop a internship program so that Native youth in Montana can get tech internships and basically working with the Department of Labor to learn how to code and to get paid to learn how to code computers. And that one passed the legislature this year. It was uh, also supported by Governor Gianforte. And mm -hmm. we're really excited to see where that goes, you know, that if it's hard for anyone to be employed on a reservation, it's incredibly hard for youth to, to be employed. So we're hoping that this is going to lead to more native kids getting jobs in computing, both in these internships, but also opening the door for them to be able to develop a skill set that they can work with the broader world and not have to leave their hometowns. Right. Such a, a marketable skill. And of course, with like growing teleworking and all that stuff, it can be really easy for people to find a job in that kind of work and not ever have to leave, which is really important. Yeah. And all of these projects kind of build on each other. And some of the lessons that we learned in advocating for those kind of programs did help us also. I'm on the National Research Advisory Council for the Veterans administration. And we worked on a way to help diversify the employees in research in the VA. And part of that did end up being, you know, there, there are big data curation jobs that can be done by veterans from their homes on the computer. And right. I don't know if we would have thought of that solution without having worked on the native youth coding issue first. So it's always really cool to see how kind of solving one problem or working to come up with a solution in one area then helps you learn a little bit more about some of the tools that you can use to find a solution in another area. Right. Um, this is all super exciting. And um, I think it's just, it's so valuable for people with mental illness to find employment. And even though there can be a lot of barriers to it sometimes in terms of 
disability benefits, fear of losing your disability benefits, or these kind of barriers we're talking about with Native youth. Um, the, the harder we work, the more it'll happen, and the more people will find employment. Yeah, and recovery. You know, I mean, it's not just preventing the worst. It's helping people build the lives that they want to. Almost always, that means employment. You know, that means that they have a job and they're able to buy the things that they want to have and live in the kind of place that they want to live and get around the way that they want to get around. And work is essential to making that happen. So the we have a long way to go with this issue, but it's definitely something that we have to keep our nose to the grindstone. Definitely. Thank you guys so, so, so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week. And not exactly sure what area of the map we might be exploring, but I'm sure that we will find something absolutely fascinating for you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for sitting down with me. This has been fun. Thanks so much, Hannah. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.